everyone. Welcome to the Pape Fatike podcast, the podcast for dads by dads. Today we're doing something a little bit different. Our normal podcasts are planned out in advance with a really specific theme. But after we're done recording, we always end up continuing the conversation and jumping around from topic to topic. And so this episode is part of a series we're calling Musings on Fatherhood. To give you just a little bit of info, I'm Dave. I have a four-year-old son and a seven-year-old daughter. And my co-host Jim has two girls, a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. We're going to jump right in with our discussion on how we try and handle our work-life balance. Whenever there are studies about what people regret on their deathbeds, right? The number one thing is always, I regret not having spent more time with my family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I had kids, I'm like, you know what? I will have regrets in life, but that will not be one of them. I guarantee that will not be one of them. Now, that being said, like right now, things are kind of tough. Like I've got all sorts of balls in the air and like I spend way less time than I would want to with the kids. But I can still look myself in the mirror and say I'm still spending a good amount of time with them and I'm spending quality time with them. But, you know, that was always one of those things when I I will not be one of those parents that looks in the mirror and says... I've wasted time here mm-hmm. at, at the office. It was hard for me early on because I, I did, uh, particularly working for myself, and, you know, like a lot of people, when I work for myself, like, I'm always working, even right. when I'm not, you know, and I should be working or I should be where they've got this thing that's nagging over my head. And, you know, I learned to deal with that early on by setting some boundaries and schedules, you know, like mm-hmm. from, you know, from one to five, I'm working on this project, but then from, you know, five to late, that's just family time. But even so, I was, and it wasn't a resentment, but it was, it was like an anxiety that the, the time that I was spending with my daughters was time that I wasn't making money. And right. not that I'm like particularly greedy or, or money hungry, but it's it was a it was an honest concern. You know, I don't, when you work for yourself, that's just kind of the way it is, and, and as I'm sure you know. Um, and I wanted to make sure, that, and I, I kind of let that go after a while, you know, mm-hmm. and then made sure that what I was doing, like that's what I was doing right now. In, in any moment, in the same way that I had my schedule where I would do, you know, block out time for work and then block out time for not work and make sure that I was really not working during those times. On some sort of macro scale, I feel like I've done the same thing. Like at this period of my life for these, you know, several years, particularly in COVID, since it's been such a big deal, like that's what I'm doing. I'm spending time with my family and yeah. it's not, uh, you know, I'm not going to. I'm not going to let myself get pulled away, and I'm I'm probably not making as much money as I could, but that's okay, you know, that's totally okay for what I'm getting out of it. Yeah, you know, there was something I was thinking about to ask you as I was preparing for the podcast uh, the other day, but I'm curious as to how you grew up. So when I was younger, both my parents worked. My my dad actually worked. He had an hour and a half commute, I think, at the time. And I remember when I was young, when he would drop me off, so school would start at 8.15. I would be at school at like 7 o'clock. It's like me and the security guard. <laughs> and, and there would be times that I would beat the security guard to school and now I'm uh-huh. just hanging out by myself. You know, back then it was it, it was safe. And, and our school was sort of, it was in this enclosed area. So, you know, there wasn't a problem. But I remember like he would drop me off super early and, uh, you know, he, and then my my mom would pick me up, and my mom also worked quite a bit. I mean, she was a VP, you know. My dad was a CFO, so you know these were people that were you know high functioning jobs and just were doing a lot of work. And I guess when when my brother was born, or no, when I was born, my dad um, he had an overseas assignment. And, I, and my my mom was concerned that like when he came back, I wouldn't remember how. This is I was like a year old. 
and I think she she did something like she made a doll so that I would like with his face on it or something <laughs> like that. But, but I just I guess I'm I'm curious, uh, you know. So my parents were very busy, but I never felt like they weren't there for me. Mm-hmm. And there was certainly a time when my brother was born, who's six years younger than me. My mom was, she was freelancing. So I remember she was at home and watching my brother and working and then I would come home. But I, I you know, I, my parents were always with, and I never felt like they weren't there for me. And I was just kind of curious about what your situation was like growing up. In some ways, I'm really glad that I don't have a son. And especially since I don't have a firstborn son, because I think that I would be reevaluating or reviewing or revisiting my childhood and my relationship with my dad, it, somehow that that would influence the way that I'd be parenting my son. Like there would be some, there's something about having a daughter. Like I have no, no idea what it's like to be a daughter. I don't know what it's like to be a girl. I don't know what a father-daughter relationship is like because, you know, from a daughter perspective. So it's something new mm-hmm. and something new that I can kind of shape. But there are some parallels in becoming a parent that and seeing, well, for example, the, um, like, I, I, like I just love my daughter so much. And people say, like, you know, you're a good dad or you're so engaged, whatever. It's, it's, it's not important because it just it came from a place that was so deep and so instinctual that without, you know, having my daughters uh, be able to have that, for me to have that pure relationship with my daughters without thinking, like, am I doing the same things that my dad did? Or am I not making, you know, second-guessing all that stuff for my, for my own relationship uh, with my dad. But to answer your question, you know, we talked about the, the first sibling and the second sibling. Um, you know, maybe the second sibling or the first sibling not getting as much attention when the newborn came around. And I started, I was thinking about it tonight and then from our, a couple other podcasts and remembering my childhood, like I'm a middle child that was born like a day before Christmas. Like, <laughs> there, like there's a whole lot of things yeah. that just, you know, that I didn't get the firstborn kind of attention. Uh, but regardless, it was um, when you ask about the relationship with my growing up my dad was a pilot so he was gone you know three or four days at a time just about every single week and then when he was when he was not flying he had his own uh, his own practice so he was he basically had two full-time jobs and so I did not get to spend a lot of time with him but it's still he showed up for the games you know he made sure that he showed up for the games and he was there for the special events and you know the band rehearsals or, or whatever so he definitely went out of his way to be involved in those moments, um, you know, as a second child, but it was, uh, but there's something to that. There's something about, you know, that I, I feel very uh, fortunate that, or blessed, I guess, if that's the right word, that I do get to spend so much time with my daughters uh, in a way that, that I hadn't seen before. Mm-hmm. It, it almost feels like as you think about your daughter, it's sort of having that clean slate with mm-hmm. no sense of like, well, this is what I should do, or this is what my dad did. Mm-hmm. When you guys found out you were pregnant, or I guess even before that, did you have a preference for this, the gender of your child? That's funny. I didn't think I did until I did. You know, <laughs> we, uh, I was, uh, I, I was, you know, of course, I don't care. It's going to be great. I didn't have a preference until we went to the ultrasound for the first one. And we said, you know, as a girl, and I had this like, just this moment of disappointment. Huh. And then you know, and then it was over. So I uh-huh. did, and that told me that I had a preference that I wasn't that I wasn't actually acknowledging. What a funny way to what a funny way to learn <laughs> yeah, that you right. had a preference. <laughs> yeah, 
I always wanted a girl, and so my, my I, wife, I'm so uh, glad we have girls, by the way. Right, yeah. No regrets. <laughs> girls are great. So I wanted a girl. My wife wanted a girl. My mom, who always wanted a girl, never had one, wanted a girl. Uh-huh. And thankfully, we got that out of the way right out the gate. And then everybody, you know, it, it's true that as long as your baby is healthy, you really don't care. Yeah. But there's like that little piece of you that might have a preference, and then. After we had our first one, we were like, well, wouldn't it be great if we had one of each? And then you could just yeah, sort of see yeah. the differences. But but I am also curious as to, you know, again, what what the relationship is like between sisters. I mean, I mm-hmm. have a brother, right? So I understand the brother relationship. And they're all a little bit different, right? So it, that doesn't mean that all brother relationships are like that. But I kind of understand that. Uh, it is interesting seeing the boy-girl relationship Mm-hmm. I, I remember when when our daughter was born. I'm like, I'm not going to adhere to gender norms. I'm going to buy her a dump truck. Like just yeah. because she's a girl doesn't mean she can play. She never touched that dump truck. But yeah, well, you know, you mentioned in the podcast. I was going to tell a story about a friend of mine who wanted to be gender neutral. Uh-huh. And so we bought uh, toy cars for the daughter, mm-hmm. and he bought dolls for the boy. So they, you know, they both had this stuff to play with. And and he went into the room, and the the daughter had turned the, the trucks over on their backs and tucked them in with the little blankets. <laughs> and meanwhile, the boy was taking the dolls and driving them around together. And like, you know, it's, it's, it, the, yeah. So seeing the, the difference between the two, I don't get to see that because I have two daughters, right. but I hear it's really, really innate. Yeah. It, I mean, it's funny how they just, they sort of settle into things. I mean, the, the boy, he, yeah, he played with the dump truck, but I mean, he, as I mentioned before, right, he, he plays with dolls too, although that was more of a phase, but yeah, they, there, there does seem to be sort of this, um, innate preference at least mm-hmm. in some kids for certain things i mean he he has absolutely embraced like the whole like you know construction thing like you know oh dump truck fire truck like he just loves that and it's it's funny there's sort of like no matter how hard you try to be like well you know it doesn't mm-hmm. need to be this way some kids just they, they will they will take you in whatever direction they want to go in and yeah and then you just you just follow along and okay well i I tried, but that kid certainly doesn't want to do that. So that that's one of those things that helped me, that give me a lot of comfort as a parent to see that, uh, like that's like I'm not making that stuff happen, right? Yeah. Like I just got to get out of the way, and then, mm-hmm. you know I'm not going to jack that up so long as I just get out of the way. I remember my mom always said, you know, kids are born with personalities. Yeah. You know, there's 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 only so much you as a parent can do to either screw that up or to change it. Like they are who they are, and. You know, we're just in some respects, we're kind of just hanging on and, you know, we're, we're just custodians. Yeah. I, like <laughs> we hope to maybe steer them a little bit. But at the end of the day, they're the ones driving the car. And, yeah. uh, you know, we can sort of backseat drive a little bit, but <laughs> they're going to do what they're going to do. And and hopefully they they move at least in the general direction that we would prefer they move in. But, yeah, the, the, those kids and, and you can see it early on. Right. Like I, you've talked a little bit about how the differences that you see in your daughter's personalities, I think showed themselves at an early age, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, in terms of how, how they're different. And, and, you know, I don't know that our kids necessarily, I've seen sort of strong personality traits from the beginning, but there are certainly things that, that, that you see over time and, and how they develop, despite the fact that you know, same household, same parents, mm-hmm. you know, same everything. And, and, yeah, you get lucky or you don't, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the personality traits are interesting. The older one, uh, from uh, from being at school, they were talking to us like she's really a perfectionist. Like she won't, and we're like, what? Like there's <laughs> nothing. There's no. Don't look at us. Like we didn't do anything about that. You know, we're not. 
we're not uh, chastising her for mistakes or anything like that. But it's just it's just innate, you know. It's just yeah. it's something part of her personality that just is there. I I mentioned this in a previous podcast. I don't remember which one, but there is if you ever have the opportunity to volunteer in your child's school or to yeah. go on a field trip. I mean, I did a lot of those in my first two years, and it's just so interesting to see them interacting with each other and which kids are playing with which kids and how they're playing with each other and just the dynamics that the teachers see every day. I mean, in some mm-hmm. respects, those teachers, you know, they really know that they're your kid better than you do because they see the child without the sort of parental hovering over them, right? So, you know, w- with our kids, they they know what's expected at home. And it's not that they don't know what's expected at school, but I think they can play it a little faster and looser sometimes in school, <laughs> right. right? Because they're, they're not, you know, I mean, at home, there's only so far you can go where I don't know what's going on, right? Like there's only so many rooms in the house. You, you can't get that far away without me knowing what's going on. Whereas at school, they are who they are. And mm-hmm. we really never get to see that. And I always like to go, especially during to the first field trip of the year, especially, you know, as, as kids get mixed up in the course of the year. And you also start to see sort of, I remember the, the first field trip that we did in last year's school year. So last year, our daughter was in a class with a bunch of people that I, you know, she really hadn't interacted with. And so to just sort of see how she how she handled that situation where, you know, obviously most of these kids have been together and they might see each other on the playground, but certainly some of them had been friends before and mm-hmm. had been in classes before and to see how she navigates that and makes friends. And at this age, what I find to be interesting is how kids sort of go in and out of friendships mm-hmm. based on who who's in their class. I feel like last year was the first year where relationships extended beyond just that first class right so like in pre-k3 they're just friends with their kids and mm-hmm, the friends mm-hmm. in pre-k3 and when they move to pre-k4 whoever was in their class in pre-k3 that's not in their pre-k4 <laughs> class right. it's like they're gone right it's yeah, like they're right. not even at school anymore and so they just sort of every year they reset and i think last year to me was the first year where those relationships mm-hmm. carried over from one class to another and it was interesting to see how their ability to maintain relationships had progressed beyond just the, the sort of out of sight, out of mind mm-hmm. aspect, and and again, you don't you don't always I think see those, you know, just being a parent. Some of that requires you to pick a child up and see who they're playing with at the end of the day, or you know, being in the classroom and just kind of see who they're they're playing with, or mm-hmm. observing a recess if possible, right? Like those things are they're so fascinating to see how your kid is adjusting or getting along or or not getting along. Right. Well, we talked in the second child episode about the second child podcast about or I did about the public persona and seeing mm-hmm. seeing when my daughters are around other people, particularly around other kids or other parents like they just they're they're the same person, obviously, but they just have a different demeanor and sort of a different presence. And it was, you know, like you did the, the field trips. Uh, my favorite part of the day was was at pickup and I would, you know, I'd show up maybe a little bit early and I'd hang back and, you know, just wait for her to notice me and I'd just get to watch her play with the other kids. And that was, that was, um, that was a really precious lens into that sort of public persona and that school persona that, like you say, we wouldn't get to see otherwise. And, you know, the parent-teacher conference we've got, uh, we've got coming up and, you know, you've got some questions about, you know, or I've got some questions about how can we get books and things like that. But my, up until now, and probably 
for this year and maybe next year as well, my primary concern and my primary question, how are they doing? How are their social relationships? Yeah. You know, how are they in the classroom? Are they kind? Are they, you know, are they making friends? Are they being of service and things like that? And that's, that's the kind of thing that we don't get to see other than through the parents' eyes or just through those, those brief windows, like, like a pickup time. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned the pickup time. Cause I, I absolutely do the same thing. I love the pickup and I love to come in and just observe and just wait till she sees me Mm -hmm. but just watching her running around playing with her friends it is it's fascinating to just see that interaction that we don't and you know even play dates are different right Right. it's just that school environment obviously when they're in school it's just it's such a unique experience to be able to just have a little bit of peak even if it's just for a few minutes and you know i think again we, we sort of talk about those moments of being present and uh, just sort of taking it all in. And I think that's one of those things. One of the things that I always like to do actually with school is, I think I've mentioned this before on another on other episodes, is how, you know, at our school, you can kind of drop off at the curb or pick up at the curb. And I always look for parking mm-hmm. because I, I mean, that's just maybe, it's a five minute walk to the car and back each way. But that's 10 minutes of just sort of unfettered one-on-one mm-hmm. time where mm-hmm. you talk about the day. And that has always been a special part for me. I think it was last year, the year before, I did all the pickups and the drop-offs because I was like, this is, I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess I did all the pickups and the drop-offs for one child. So actually that's how it worked. But yeah, it's it's really, it's just a nice way because there's nothing else to do, right? You're, you're there's, there's no other distractions. It's just you're focused on the child and, you know, again, if we go back to sort of where we started with this whole, like, I, you know, the one thing I don't want to regret is mm-hmm. not having spent enough time with my child. It can be daunting to figure out how to find time when we're all so busy. And I, I, I guess I would say that sometimes it's just carving out five or 10 minutes. You know, this, I, this is, I think we're going to be doing in a, in a later podcast episode, but talking about the study that shows that it's really the it's mm-hmm. it's how you spend the time with the children so it's a quality versus the quantity of time that you spend and so you know 10 minutes of unfettered one-on-one time is worth more than 30 minutes of like i'm right. sort of talking to you but i'm checking emails at the same time or i'm somewhat distracted Making dinner. Yeah. right and and those if you can sort of commit or at least what i've done right is at least committing to walking her because it doesn't it doesn't really take that much extra time it's an extra whatever 10 minutes a day and maybe time to find the parking space it, it's worth it to me mm-hmm. to have just mm-hmm. that little bit of time that's just carved out for us and and hopefully you know when we get back to school i'll be able to do that with my son because we really haven't been able to do that this year and this is kind of his first year in in like a real school because so, at preschool you could literally just park in front and mm-hmm. there was no point in like walking the kid to the right. space right in front of the school <laughs> you're just going to carry him anyway Right. Yes. That was the other point too. Is like he's not really spending the whole time walking, and it's going to take like twenty times longer if you park at the end of the block to just walk with him. But yeah, those are those just sort of the daily living in the moment opportunities to interact with your child and to mm-hmm. see, you know, how's school going. You know, what are the challenges that you're, you know, is, you know, is your kid getting bullied? Just those little moments of just checking in and having having that quality time because it, it doesn't need to be it doesn't need to be some grand gesture right you don't need to carve out an hour a day i mean that would be great if you can but it, it's difficult as we all have jobs and you know just all the other stuff that happens in life and so i feel like 
again, just find those bite-sized pieces. And, uh, you know, I, I certainly feel that I have a better relationship mm-hmm. with her because of that, just finding those little moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. Yeah, those th- walking uh, to and from daycare, precious time, bedtime stories, you know, times when I can really be present. Those are, that mindfulness, I think, is really important. Well, and, you know, look, sooner rather than later, our kids might be taking the bus to school. Yeah. So, you know, and we're, sooner, we're, they're not going to want to hang out with us either, you right. know? We're running, <laughs> we're running out of time. Yeah. yeah. We're going to be the uncool dads pretty soon. Like, right now, it works, but... Yeah. Have, have you seen Eighth Grade? No. Yeah, that's an interesting movie. Yeah. I, it's is a, it going to scare me? It's it's totally uncomfortable. It's, it, feels, <laughs> it feels like being in Eighth Grade, but anyhow, the, the daughter is... Uh, pretty hostile to the father in a way that previews teenage years so we're gonna get there sooner or later yeah uh yeah i'm i'm nervous about that yeah actually one thing that i always thought with girls was we had time and yeah. as i talk to other parents they're like no yeah <laughs> they start changing at 11 <laughs> things yeah. get yeah. things get incredibly more complicated at 11 well that's yeah look i mean that's that's the interesting thing about kids right is every stay there's there's just constant changing of stages you know, you, you get you get happy with one, and then we, you talked about this, right? You get happy with one, and boom, now there's a new stage, yeah, yeah, and and new challenges to deal with, and you know, it's a learning process throughout. So it, it's going to be an interesting ride as they get older, for it sure. It is. It is an interesting ride. Yeah. Now, I, so actually, here's the question: What was your? Do you have a favorite age? Yeah, I do. I, I'm, but I'd have to. I'd have to, it's probably about like three, maybe, or maybe four, maybe even two and a half. I'm not entirely sure, but there was a time when it's like their personality started to come out and they had enough, uh, enough like mobility and enough agency in the world, but they weren't quite yet, um, but things that hadn't think things really weren't all entirely formed, I guess. I'm not exactly Mm -hmm. sure what I'm driving at, but there was a time where, Maybe that I'll just say it that way. There's a time when their personality started to come out. That's what it is. The personality started to come out, but before they could figure out like social norms, you know, that was, that was just really, it was really sweet. You know, it was just kind of like a, a pure experience. And maybe like two and a half, three, maybe three and a half. I'm not entirely sure. I certainly feel like maybe up to four, the constant changes are very interesting, right? Because they're changing so quickly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so dramatically from, you know, not being able to turn over, turn over, crawling, walking. And then, yeah, as you point out, right, their personality starts coming out. And then when they're, they're sort of first words and they're able to start communicating with you. And then once they start really being able to communicate deeper emotions and context and then running and jumping and all these things, I, I, I was, uh, I, <laughs> this was a funny thing where, I remember telling my daughter, I was like, you know, our son, if you ask him to touch his hands over his head, he can't do it yet because his, his arms weren't long enough, right, to get over his head. Yeah. <laughs> it, just, it just blew her mind. She's like, what? So she, she asked him to raise his hands and he, he couldn't touch his hands above his head, right, as, as they're just sort of growing into their bodies. But I, I feel like things are progressing so quickly and so dramatically up until maybe about four. You know, things are just kind of slowing down. Like there are still things that are happening, but... I think it, it just feels like it's a little bit harder to notice. And certainly when the kids were younger and, and people would ask me about parenting, I, I would always say that 
every age is my favorite because there was always something so incredibly new mm-hmm. that you're discovering mm-hmm. along the way. And, and I guess maybe certainly with the second one, it's a little bit harder just because, again, you've sort of been through all of these phases. And so you, you sort of know what to expect. But I feel like maybe around, I don't know, four or five, it's not quite a plateau, right? But it just feels like the changes mm-hmm. aren't as dramatic and they they yeah, last agreed. longer, right? Like yeah. it, it's just not, it, it feels the like- stages are longer. Right. And so you, you don't, I guess maybe part of what I liked about that is that they were both so fleeting- but mm-hmm. at the same time, when you're in it, it feels like forever, right? And and so that's sort of that dichotomy. Right. And those moments were just... They long were days, s- short years. Right, right. And and yeah. so, but it's so fun to see the process, right? Because just as soon as you got settled in, bam, something threw it all over. And so now you're learning something new. And that that was really interesting. But I, I do... I mean, I don't want to say these ages aren't interesting, but there is certain also, I think, something that you mentioned also about like, you know, at seven, you can have these great conversations with mm-hmm, the kids, right? Mm-hmm. As their mental f- faculties have developed and the kinds of questions they ask you are, are, are interesting as they start to understand about the world around them. So again, there, there's something interesting about this age too. And, you know, hopefully there will always be something interesting and that, you know, what our daughters and sons are, our son, uh, are 16 and 17 and 18. Mm-hmm. We're not going to be like, well, it's, it's more of a drag than anything else. And, and I, I guess that's, that's part of the process, right? We won't know until we get there, but, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, how rewarding to see the whole, the whole thing happen to just sort of be along for the ride, mm-hmm. I guess. It's mm-hmm. a good description. We're along for the ride. Yeah. It's their, uh, it's, sh- it's their show. I'm just yes. here. My my favorite response when people are like, "How's it going?" This is even pre-COVID. Is I'm like, "Look, I'm just I'm just hanging on. Right. I'm just I'm trying to not get thrown off of like the the you know the the merry-go-round yeah. of life that is the yeah. kids. Just, I'm just making sure to hold on because that's what it feels like with kids sometimes. Yeah, it's just, it does. They're trying to throw you off, and you just you're trying to stay on. But but it's fun, and it's far more rewarding than 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 the downside. At least true. At least for now. At least right. for now. <laughs> We hope you enjoyed this conversation about parenting. If you'd like to support the podcast and hear more discussions around fatherhood, please subscribe and drop us a review. If you have any questions, hit us up on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash papa fatigue. That's P-A-P-A-E-S-T-F-A-T-I-G-U-E. Thanks for listening.